Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're recording Wednesday night Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha. And also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have the opportunity, the means, and the ability to be able to broadcast God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet. These podcasts help people who are in other areas or who are shut in, sick, injured, whatever the case might be, who cannot get out, gives them the opportunity to still study God's Word with us on a regular basis. We post these studies each Wednesday night at 630 our regular time for Wednesday night Bible classes at the building, and also we post a Sunday morning Bible class at 9.30 every Sunday morning. Again, our regular time for meeting in the building on Sunday mornings for Sunday morning Bible class. Now, we encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, scroll down the home page, click on the podcast button, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after your wallet. We want to help people get to heaven. We want to help people learn God's word better and thereby strengthen their faith in God. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, a great daily, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day, seven days a week, getting us into God's word every day for a little while, called Today's Bible Class, and you will receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Now again, all of that will go to your smart device automatically, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, and it will always be free. You can also access hundreds of sermons at our website, churchofchrist.com, and radio programs, hundreds of, of scripturally-based, spiritually-focused articles. All of that is there, accessible to you for your continued study, and it is free. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you come and visit with us, study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Again, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha, and our Bible classes begin at 9.30 each Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30, and Wednesday night Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of our services. Now, we're going to get back into our study from 2 Peter. We're in chapter 3. And this, again, is very similar as far as the book is concerned, the letter that Peter writes, to what we, at least to the focus that we read in James. We had studied through James earlier before getting into 1 Peter. And James writes that particular letter to the individual Christian. This is how you live your Christianity on a daily basis. And it gives us insight and as to various particulars, as to our focus in life, what it should be as Christians, living the Christian life. And Peter does much the same thing. Now in chapter 3, and we've taken some time going through chapter 3, it is really rich with 
with instructive teaching to the individual Christian. We are looking at the text between verses 13 and 17. I'll read that those several verses, and then we'll come back and, and uh, get more specific uh, farther along than we left off last time. So beginning with verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, we look and we read this. Peter writes, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Now, Peter asks that question from a somewhat rhetorical basis. He's saying, okay, you might get persecuted for being a Christian. You might get teased. You might get ridiculed. Someone might try to make it hard on you. And so you might suffer somewhat. But what is it if you suffer for something that is good? If you're suffering for a righteous cause, if you're doing right and somebody is beating up on you, so to speak, then okay, at least you're suffering, at least you're being ridiculed for what is good. The problem is on their shoulders. They're the one in the wrong. You're not suffering for something that you've done wrong. You're experiencing someone's persecution for what you're doing, trying to live a righteous life, a faithful life before God. He goes on in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Well, again, some people, they'll try to make it hard for people who are living a righteous life, maybe because that makes them feel self-conscious in the unrighteous lifestyle that they're living. But Peter says, okay, if you suffer for, for, for something that you're doing for trying to live a righteous lifestyle, well, you're being blessed because you're living the righteous lifestyle. It's not saying that it's fun to suffer persecution or ridicule or to be teased or to be physically abused even. He's not saying that's, that's a good thing. It's a, it's a pleasing experience, but he's saying you're experiencing that for the right reason. You're living the righteous, faithful, godly life before your heavenly father. Now, the converse of that is if you're suffering for doing something wrong, well, <laughs> you've got a problem there. But if you're suffering for doing something that is right, the, you're being blessed by God because you're doing what is right. The one who is persecuting you is going to be judged by God. In verse 15, he goes on and he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, last time we talked about that, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we also need to be able to tell people what we believe and why we believe it. We may not always be able to give them a book, chapter, and verse from the scriptures to a specific question they might ask us about as to our belief, but we can say, well, let's sit down and study together. And we can also say, you know, okay, if we can't do that right now, give me a day or two, let me do some, some reading here, and we'll get back together and we'll sit down and study at that time. In chapter 4 and verse 11, Peter said, if anyone, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Now, in other words, if we're going to say something, if we're going to hold to something, we need to simply make sure that whatever it is that we're 
upholding, whatever it is we're saying we believe in or that people should believe, we need to make sure it truly is God's word. We need to be able to give a defense that is a reason for what we believe, why we believe it. And so that is chapter 3 in verse 15 of 1 Peter. Now in, in verse 16, he goes on and he says, having a good conscience that when they defame you, defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Now, this is an important principle, again, that we ought to have in the forefront of our mind. When we claim to be a Christian, we need to live like a Christian. We need to live the Christian life faithfully, obediently, not just while we happen to be inside the church building or when we happen to be with some other member of the Lord's church, another Christian, or maybe just when we're in somebody who, with whom we're really trying to make sure we watch our behavior and our language and everything. No, no, we need to live the Christian life even when nobody is watching. Even when it's just between us and God, we need to live the faithful Christian life. We need to live that godly life. We need to have a good conscience, and that good conscience can only really come by living in the way that we should be living as a Christian, according to God's teachings. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where the Apostle Paul said, first, every scripture or all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's very word and is profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us his word to equip us to be able to live a faithful, godly, effective Christian life. Now, we need to know what God's word says in order to be able to put those principles into practice on a consistent basis in our life. But God has given us his word to so equip us. Now, notice that it says in the opening statement there in verse 16, having a good conscience, having a good conscience. We need to be able to have a good conscience in our lives on a daily basis. God has created us with that internal, uh, in, that, that internal guide, if you would, or that kind of meter that says, okay, you're living righteously here, you're doing the right thing, you're staying true to God's word, or it, in, the other, in, 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 in the opposite of that, saying, uh, yeah, you're, you're crossing a line here, you shouldn't be doing that. When we look at the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 18, notice what he says along this line. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Now, you see, God has again created within us that internal governor, so to speak. You know, when you drive some older vehicles, especially trucks, they were equipped with what was called a governor. And so if you were a truck driver, those governors would keep you from speeding over the speed limit. 
You could only, didn't matter if you pressed the gas pedal all the way to the floor, the governor would kick in and keep you from being able to go over the speed limit, thus, in principle, keeping you driving safely all the time. Well, I don't know if they put governors on any kinds of vehicles anymore, but that's the idea. Well, God has created within us an internal governor, and that is our conscience. So when we cross the line, then our conscience kicks in and says, you're, you're going too far. You're disobeying God's word. You're entering into sinfulness here. You're in a danger zone. But if we're living faithfully to God, according to his teachings, on a consistent basis, our conscience is clear. Our conscience is good. It upholds us in the way that we're living. So Peter says, having a good conscience, a good conscience. And then he is continuing in this same immediate context of scripture, going back to verse 13, what are you being criticized for? What are you being persecuted for? for doing good or for doing bad. If you're being persecuted for doing good, you're blessed because you're doing good. But here then he says in verse 16, you need to have a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, defame, that's a pretty good word there. Well, as when they put you down, when they criticize you, when they try to, to detract from your character or integrity by saying bad things about you, he says, those who revile your, your good conduct in Christ, they may be ashamed. You see, when they, when they are putting you down, when they're criticizing you, when they see your good conduct in spite of what they're saying about you, in spite of their trying to tear you down, they'll ultimately be ashamed themselves because they'll see you're not going to respond in like manner. You're not going to violate your, your principles of Christianity. You're going to continue to live that godly life in spite of what they're trying to do to you or say about you. Peter talked about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that is, the unbelievers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, one of the most difficult lessons, perhaps, to get across to just a young boy or a young girl growing up, maybe they're at 12 or 13 years of age or 14, and some of their peers in the neighborhood, maybe even some of their family members, or maybe it's some of their schoolmates, when they start criticizing them, when they start putting them down, when they start calling them names, our instinctive emotional reaction tends to be call them bad names back. Say bad things about them, yell at them. Maybe start using profanity. Maybe start using some violence against them, hitting them, kicking them, getting into a physical fight. Well, Peter says, no, no. Whenever somebody tries to provoke you, when they're saying bad things about you or to you, don't respond in kind. You respond in a Christian way. You just keep living that, that steady, 
faithful, consistent Christian life. Live by those principles. Stay godly, even in the face of somebody doing you wrong. Don't curse them back if they're cursing you. You still keep that keep your Christian principles intact. Still maintain your Christian character. And ultimately, people who are trying to pick a fight with you, so to speak, they'll stop because there's no fun trying to pick a fight with somebody who won't fight. They won't take the bait. Somebody who's just calling you names, but you're just staying true to God, you're staying faithful, you're maintaining your Christian character, your demeanor, after a while, they walk away because, again, it's no fun to keep trying to pick a fight with somebody who won't take the bait. And ultimately, Peter says, they can become ashamed when they continue to see your consistent, good, positive, godly Christian conduct. You're going to stay true to the word. You're going to stay faithful to God no matter what what? And ultimately, their mouths will be stopped. People around you will recognize the character, the Christian character within you, and they'll recognize the lack thereof, in fact, just the opposite kind of character, in people who are trying to demean you, and they'll recognize that they're doing that in an ungodly way. And so they'll ultimately be the ones who suffer the consequences but people will come to respect you for maintaining maintaining your principles and your godly character. Now, you're not doing that to draw attention to yourself. You're not doing that to bring glory to yourself. You're doing that to simply stay true to God, to simply stay true to your, true to your Christian character, to stay true to your Christian walk and lifestyle. Remember that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, that as his followers, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. That is, we're supposed to be a positive, good, seasoning influence upon those around us. And then he says, you're the light of the world. Well, what does a light do? It lights things up, doesn't it? It illuminates. It helps people see the way. And he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but not to your glory, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Glorify your Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul, and ultimately when you maintain your Christian character, you stay true to the principles of Christianity, even in the face of persecution, God is being glorified. You're being blessed and God is being glorified. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that you may, be, that you may be, be, uh, become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You see, the world is engulfed in the darkness of sin, evil, wickedness, ungodliness. We as Christians are supposed to be shining lights, helping people see the better way, the way of faithfulness to God, of Christianity. 
And so we should shine as lights, even in the face of perverse living on the part of so many, wickedness, ungodliness. We need to be those shining lights. And we do that by holding fast to the word of life, the word of God. That is our standard. That is our guide. That is our guide book, so to speak. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, Paul says, he's reminding the Christians at, at, at Ephesus, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He says, you once were out there in the world. You were living a sinful lifestyle, but now you're light. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16? You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine. He says, now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, live that lifestyle. Be that light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness or sinfulness, evil, wickedness, but rather expose them. Expose them? How? Expose them simply by walking in the light, being the light of the Lord, and that shining forth in the way that you live your life in, faithful Christ, uh, in faithfulness to God, in faithful Christianity. Be that light. Dispel that darkness. Help people see the better way. Now we come back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17, the next verse. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So he comes back and reinforces what he began this immediate context with in verses 13 and 14 when he says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So, okay, if somebody's persecuting you for your righteousness sake, for your Christian living, your godly lifestyle, okay, God is still blessing you because you're still living that godly lifestyle. And so, verse 16, have that good conscience by continuing to live that godly lifestyle. Be those shining lights. And then verse 17 it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You don't want to suffer for doing evil. If you end up suffering for doing good, remember God is keeping score. He knows what the case is. He knows what those people are doing to you. You just keep living the godly life. Ultimately, you will come out victorious. And they are going to be judged by God. Because God knows what is going on, and he knows their hearts. So you just hang in there and stay true to God. And then Peter goes on and he uses Christ as the example for us. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Ah, interesting. He is our example. He suffered for us. The just one. Jesus committed no sins when he was living as that physical man upon this earth. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, 
and and we look we look at verse uh, 15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin yet without sin he was tempted just as we're tempted in all points all kinds of temptations as we are tempted but he did not sin he is the savior the son of god and so peter uses him as our example even the best of the best that ever lived in human form in this earth he was tempted yet he did not give in to the temptations he did not give in to the persecutions he allowed that to happen to him but he did not respond in kind when he was cursed he did not curse back when he was spit upon he did not spit upon the person who spit upon him when he was physically struck he did not strike back even when one of his apostles peter drew a sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest malchus jesus picked up the ear and put it back on and healed the man he serves as our ultimate example jesus suffered unrighteous unrightly he was totally righteous and yet he bore the sins of all mankind because he came as our savior as Paul put it in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for he that is God made him Jesus, who knew no sin, he'd ever sinned, to be sin for us, not to be sinful, but to be sin for us, to bear our sins on his body as he died as that perfect sacrifice on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. What an example. What an example. And what an encouragement that ought to be for us to look to Jesus as our example in the face of even being persecuted in our personal lives for trying to live a godly Christian life. Jesus could go to that cross. We can face our persecutors and stay true to God. We'll finish up this chapter next time, just the next few verses. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to that cross to die on our behalf to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Thank you, Father. Praise be to you. Guide us to live the life that would be as worthy as we can be, still living in human form of your love and that sacrifice of that death of our of our lord and let us use him always let him keep let us keep him in the forefront of our mind what he did for us as motivation and encouragement for us staying faithful and godly to you and being that true light of christ in our lives help people see that light in us father to your glory and to their salvation we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.